Hey, New Frontiers Church. Uh, my name is Bo Noonan, and I used to be a part of your church and uh, still a part of the family of churches that we belong to. And uh, I'm really thrilled to be speaking uh, to you all, although I'd be even more thrilled to be with you in person. Um, thinking about New England in mid-October is uh, amazing. But love you all. Hopefully this message is a blessing. I do send greetings from Tacoma, Washington, from our church, and especially from my wife, Alexis. So bless you all. Hope it's a blessing. But so far, Acts 1, 2, and 3 paint this picture of a very exciting church to be a part of. Uh, there's harmony, there's unity, uh, there's preaching, uh, there's worship, there's prayer, there's sharing of all that they had to make sure uh, no one went without. Uh, and uh, there's signs and wonders, there's miracles being performed. It's this really beautiful picture of the church. And we saw last week the healing of a paralyzed man who'd been begging uh, at the temple gate. Yeah, for, for many, many years. And we find out today that this man is 40 years old. And this is what his life consisted of, being brought to the, to the temple and to beg for money. That's how he made a living. And, uh, and, and he's healed. He's healed. Peter and John say, look, we don't have any money, but what we do have, uh, get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And he does. Uh, it's a very exciting moment. And then Peter preaches this uh, Jesus-centered, amazing message uh, that really cuts to people's hearts. And um, we'll see the results of that today in chapter four. Well, Jesus had a, a show and tell ministry, uh, not a philosopher of ideas. That's not what Jesus was. He was not a teacher who had some ideas thinking, wouldn't it be nice if one day the kingdom was like this? No, he was a show and tell guy. He preached, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And then he showed him this healing. This is what it's like. It's like the reversal of everything that's been distorted in this world. And Peter and John pick up that. They do exactly what Jesus said they would do. Uh, Jesus had told them, now you go and do it. Now you go and do what I did. You go and tell them about the kingdom of God and you heal the sick, you cast out demons, you raise the dead. And that's where we find the church in this moment of doing what Jesus told them to do a moment of obedience to him. And they too have this show and tell ministry, like we saw with the healing of this man. Uh, this is what the kingdom of God is like. Get up and walk. And then Peter preached that great message um, with a pretty good result. It says 5,000 men. Now, most commentators would say that was just the men. What about the women and children? Which could equal numbers of upwards of about 20,000. 20,000 people suddenly saved and added to the church. If you remember back to Pentecost, it was 3,000. Now 5,000. What an administrative nightmare, but what a beautiful moment. The kingdom of God breaking in. The kingdom of God going from heart to heart and house to house, winning people over to the beauty and the majesty of who Jesus is, to his rule and his reign. Lo and behold, here comes the opposition. Um, they saw that the apostles... Uh, and this new community of Jesus were agitators. They were agitators. They were stirring it up. Things were getting turned upside down. Crowds were gathering. Uh, this thing was a little bit out of control and they didn't like it. And um, they knew it would upset the Romans. 
So the Sadducees stepped in to say, no, no, we don't want to upset the Romans. We want peace. And uh, they also saw them as heretics, agitators and heretics. Um, They were enemies of their truth. And so they persecuted them. Agitators and heretics, and so they persecuted them. And Peter and John, they're seized, they're arrested. And uh, it was too late for them to be tried. So think about that. The the man was healed at 3 p.m. in the afternoon and the celebration goes on in the temple. This man is jumping on his feet. He's worshiping God. And, uh, and that goes on. And then Peter preaches his message. And then it becomes too late. It was a long celebration, a long honoring of what God had done in this man. But then it's too late. So they, they imprison him for overnight. And the next day, they're brought before the Sanhedrin, before this religious court. And uh, the same Sanhedrin, in fact, that Jesus was brought in front of. The Sadducees are involved uh, and they bring them to the high priest, uh, the highest court of the Jewish law. And in chapter four, verses five through six, it says that the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. Uh, Note some of those names. Annas and Caiaphas. Those are familiar names for Luke. Uh, those are familiar names for Peter and for John. These are, these are characters that they knew. In fact, in John, the Gospel of John, verse, sorry, chapter 18, verses 12 through 14, it says, Then the detachment of soldiers with its commander and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus. They bound him and brought him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who had advised the Jewish leaders that it would be good if one man died for the people. These are the same guys that had Jesus arrested and Jesus tried. Imagine the memories, imagine the emotions that flooded in on John and Peter in that moment. Peter remembering that he had denied Jesus during that trial, as he encountered someone who said to him, you're a follower of Jesus. And he cursed them. So you don't know what you're talking about. Watching false witnesses being marched in front of the high priest, lies being told about Jesus. Could they expect justice from this court? Um, Would they suffer the same fate as Jesus? Would they be handed over to the Romans, to be crucified, just like Jesus was in that same very court. And yet, they don't back down. As memories flood and emotions flood, they're bold, they're courageous, and they tell the truth. See, the court begins in this interrogation of, uh, with a very straightforward question in verse seven. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name did you do this? When you hear name, think authority. By what authority did you do this? Who gave you the authority to do this? And listen to their answer in verse 10. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you 
healed. So whether they're preaching in the temple or answering these accusations, their preoccupation was not with their own defense, but to honor and to bring glory to their Lord, to their King, Jesus. They could have submitted to the high priest. They could have submitted to Caesar's name, but they don't. They want to honor and glorify their Lord and King, Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Jesus had promised this. And back in Luke chapter 21, verses 12 through 15, but before all this, they will seize you. They will persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up for your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. And Jesus promised this. This is probably ringing in their heads as well. Oh yeah, Jesus said we're going to be brought before these courts. And he said to us, listen, don't worry. Don't worry about what to say. Don't have your script memorized. I will give you words and I will give you wisdom. Words and wisdom. And and folks, that, that promise is for us today. You know, oftentimes I hear people say like, I I would love to share my faith with somebody, but I I don't know what to say. And I feel like they're gonna ask me a question that might stump me or, or might confuse me. And listen, this is the promise for you today, that as you're brought before people and you have opportunity to share your faith, he will meet you there with words and with wisdom. But he has given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit, it says this, about their trial, that uh, Peter and John are filled with the Holy Spirit. They're filled again with the Holy Spirit as they give testimony. And this is what the Holy Spirit does for us. Reminds us of truth, empowers us, gives us courage, gives us wisdom beyond that which we already know. And, And the Holy Spirit has been forever telling the truth about Jesus. So it makes sense. Peter and John are filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean then? It means they're gonna tell the truth about Jesus. Because the Holy Spirit has been forever telling the truth about Jesus. Even before creation, the Holy Spirit fellowshipping with the Son and the Father, telling the truth about Jesus. We can expect that in our lives too. And the court responds, verses 13 through 14. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note of these men that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Uh, I, I love that. I love that moment uh, of, of, hey, we recognize this guy. We knew him to be the beggar who was paralyzed. And we see him standing next to you with a little bit of hop in his step and you know, checking out those legs again and feeling loose, feeling good. And they're, they're thinking, man, how do we... How do we come back at that? Like, what do we say to that? Um, But not only that, I love the fact that they said, the the accusation they made of these guys, you guys have been with Jesus. That's a good thing. Uh, I I pray that would be the accusation made about me and the accusation made about you. You've been with Jesus. You've been with Jesus. More so than any academic prowess any 
communication ability, uh, whatever it might be, uh, I pray for you and for me that the accusation would be they've been with Jesus. These people have been with Jesus. And they say they're unschooled, they're, un, they're ordinary. Uh, we didn't see you at rabbi school. You know, we, didn't, we didn't see you down the road with the rabbi because they hadn't been with the rabbi. They hadn't studied uh, like the Sanhedrin and like the Pharisees. They hadn't been those guys, but there was something about them. There was something unique about them. It, it seemed better than books. It reminds me of when Nicodemus went to Jesus and said, I teach, but you teach with authority. And that moment here is the same. These guys have been with Jesus. One commentator puts it this way, unauthorized preaching by unprofessional preachers. <laughs> unauthorized preaching by unprofessional preachers. That's what these guys were. So they call Peter and John back in and they tell them, hey guys, look, we don't want you to preach in that name anymore, okay? We're good to go, you can leave. And um, Peter and John say, well, we, we can't help it. We can't help it. We can't help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We can't, we're compelled by this. Uh, we will speak about what we have seen in Jesus and what we have heard from him. And they release them, they release them. And they release them under the pressure of the crowd. Notice that. One of the, one of the reasons they say, well, we gotta let him go because people all over are worshiping God now. People are celebrating this Jesus. And we're gonna have a riot on our hands if we don't release these guys. And so they release them again under the pressure of the crowd. And let me, let me finish with this. Because um, this part, this, this, this passage, this last passage in, in the verses that we read, um, we have so much to learn from it. And so let me just finish with this response that the apostles have to being persecuted. Um, and the first thing we see is they went back to the church. They immediately go back to the church family. They go back and they tell them everything that the council had said to them. And then immediately it says they gathered together for prayer. They gathered for prayer. They were bold in their witness in the court, but man, they're bold in their prayer as well. They go hand in hand there. And so they're bold in their witness and they're bold in prayer. And note how they started to pray. Verse 24, it begins with, they begin to pray by saying, oh, sovereign Lord, oh, sovereign Lord. Now that, that word can be translated, that word sovereign Lord can be, can be translated ruler of unchallengeable power. <laughs> Amazing ruler of unchallengeable power. This Sanhedrin might give warnings to us. They might give threats to us. They might have restrictions. They might even have the authority to hand us over to Rome, but the authority of the church was subject to a higher authority. Oh, sovereign Lord, the commands of man cannot overturn the declaration of God. That's what they're saying here. Whatever the commands of man have cannot overturn the declarations of God. And this is how they begin to pray. It's a declaration and a reminder. Who are we submitted to? Who do we belong to? Oh, sovereign Lord. And then notice the next three declarations of this prayer. Verse 24, the second part of verse 24 says, sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Notice this is the beginning of their prayer. They did not begin their prayer with, oh Lord, we were so scared and we continue to be scared. Oh Lord, help us. They don't petition, they worship. 
They make declarations of who God is. Because when you make declarations of who God is, your soul is reminded of how grand, how great, how amazing, how glorious God is, which then makes your petitions feel doable, smaller in light of who God is. So they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything. And you're the God of creation. Things seen and unseen, you've created those. That's you, God. They remind themselves of that. Second one, verse 25, you spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father, David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Uh, In other words, they're saying, Lord, you revealed, you told us uh, way back in the day through David, through King David, that this would happen, that God, you are wise. God, you are in control. You know our situation. You have predicted this situation, that the nations would rage against the Lord and against his anointed one, Jesus. It was predicted. You revealed that to us. Then the third declaration, verse 27, 28. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Uh, They thought they were in control by killing Jesus. They thought we can control our environment and our culture and we can control the crowds by killing this man. But in fact, actually, uh, this was decided long ago by the father to give his son that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have eternal life. He would be the lamb of God who would come to take away the sins of the world. Lord, you decided this. In other words, you made, you spoke, you decided. This is the beginning of their prayer. They have not gotten to the point of asking for help yet. They have just made declarations of who God is. They begin praying like this because they wanna keep the main thing the main thing. God is in control. God is our ruler. God governs over us. God loves us. God cares for us. God provides for us. And then uh, they make requests. Three, in fact, three requests. We see those in verses 29 through 30. Verse 29, Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Number one request, consider their threats. It's an interesting request. <laughs> consider, their, consider their threats. They don't say, send fire and destroy the Sadducees. Uh, Lord, we need a, 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 a turnover in government. We need another ruling party that will come in and provide peace for us. We need, no, no, no. They just say, Lord, consider their threats. Hear them, think about them, consider what they've threatened us with. They don't even say, make them stop threatening us. Just consider their threats. Lord, keep these things in mind on our behalf. Consider them on our behalf. The second request comes with, help us to speak with great boldness. They knew the message was important. Give us courage. Give us boldness to continue to preach. You killed him, but God raised him. (laughs) 
Give us courage to keep preaching. Again, not about changing the ruling party, not about sending fire down and destroying these people, but actually give us boldness to keep preaching to these people. Just give us boldness. Give us boldness. Give us boldness to see this world we live in changed through the gospel, the good news, not through the tearing down of, not through the destruction of, but through the building up of the good news of the gospel. And then the third one, stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders. Help us to preach boldly, but Lord, may it be a show and tell ministry. We want power to be on display in this message. And again, look at the tone. No request for give us power, signs and wonders that will bring torment on these people. No, signs and wonders that would see miracles reversing this broken world and turning it right side up. Not give us power for vengeance. Give us power for a sign that would show this is what the kingdom of God is like. Takes the upside down and makes it right side up. Restore the sick. That'll confirm our message. Give us that, Lord. And then finally, in verse 31, it says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. One commentator said, the place where they were meeting was shaken and that made the church more unshakable. That God meets them in that moment. That there is a sovereign earthquake in that moment where they shake, which makes them unshakable as they know God is with us. God is for us. And look, it says again, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Folks, you need to know this that Pentecost was not a one and done moment. The, the Pentecost was the beginning of this moment where the children of, of God, those who have trusted Jesus can be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over and over again. Sometimes it might be dramatic. Sometimes it might just be the comforting presence of God with us. But folks, it is to be had over and over and over again. The Holy Spirit can fill you right now, wherever you are, wherever you're watching whether it's in your backyard, in your living room, wherever. He can meet you and he can fill you. That's a, that's a key uh, theme in the book of Acts. Over and over and over again, they are filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just at Pentecost and that was it. No, God so desires to come to you, to be with you, to be close to you, that he gives his Holy Spirit over and over and over again to us. And so we wanna be that church. We want it better than normal better than normal. We want what God has for us in this moment. So let's pray. Jesus, we come to you and ask again for your Holy Spirit. Come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Lord, may we make a practice of this in our life. May it be a routine uh, that is uh, breathtaking, that is life-giving, that we ask over and over again. Come, fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray for that. Come and fill those who are feeling overwhelmed, Lord, mentally, physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually overwhelmed as they consider the, the tensions uh, of our nation right now. Lord, as they watch the news. And uh, Lord, I, I just pray, come meet them by your Holy Spirit. Come and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Come and fill their mouth with boldness and come and make their hands those that do signs and wonders in your name, in your authority. So Lord, we trust you and we give ourselves to you.